Hey everyone, welcome back to the Alberta Roundup. I am joined by Chris Sims, the Alberta Director of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation today. We are going to talk about Bill C-18, everyone's favorite piece of legislation. Not obviously, Chris, we are very concerned about C-18 over here in the media. There's a lot of uncertainty about exactly what it will do, but we do know that Facebook and now Google have said they are just simply not going to allow link sharing to news platforms, which is of course a big problem for us. Then, of course, Heritage Minister Pablo Rodriguez stepped in and said, don't worry if you guys are not able to have money from this legislation like we said it would do, we will step in and help you out. Chris, can you explain why that's a problem? Well, I think a lot of us saw this problem coming, and it was interesting to see people from the so-called left and right all pleading with the federal government at the same time, saying, uh, this is a disaster waiting to happen. So big tech giants typically like Google and Facebook don't stay up at night worrying about whether or not Canadian uh, newsrooms are getting per-click revenue. That's just a rounding error, really, when it comes to their bottom line. So it doesn't seem like they're super interested in paying for links. And so now, like you said, the heritage minister piped up and said, oh, don't worry. We need to make sure that these newsrooms stay open. Who's we? the government, I guess, and we are going to make sure that you have the resources you need. Now, resources, of course, is government speak for taxpayers' money. This is a huge problem for two major reasons. One, as a longtime lifelong journalist myself, it's wrong for journalists to be paid by the government, period. You cannot hold a government to account if you're counting on that government for your paycheck. So that doesn't fly. And two, there's no way that taxpayers should be on the hook to fund media companies and keeping newsrooms open. That is not the role of the taxpayer here. And so we're coming after this for two major reasons. One is accountability, and the second is the cost. When we're talking about the cost, we know that taxpayers are already doing so much to keep these failing legacy media outlets afloat. We have the just under $600 million bailout that the federal government promised to journalism companies. We know that's been paid out over the past couple of years. Do you know what the cost of that actually boils down to per newsroom? That's a great question. So it was Canada Land that actually sat down and did the math, so credit to them. They worked it out and they said on average, it boils down to about $13,000 per journalist that is taking it. Now I gotta stress, not all media outlets were taking this money. But the problem, as you well know, with journalism is the perception, right? It's the perception of bias. It's the perception of ethics that erodes trust. So if everybody just assumes that, say, a broadcaster, a mainstream network broadcaster is taking taxpayers' money, they're going to go with that and they're going to think that and that's going to erode trust. And let's get down to the exact cost here with $13,000. Imagine that you are a journalist on Parliament Hill. You're part of the parliamentary press gallery. It's your job, ostensibly, to hold the government to account. The government pays $13,000 of your salary. It could be a deciding factor whether or not you have a job. The opposition wants to scrap that program. How on earth are you supposed to call that game straight? Like no human being would be able to. And even if you tried, Again, the perception is there that you're being paid by the government. 
The perception is a huge issue, and I just find it so frustrating as a taxpayer myself, and I know that other Canadian taxpayers feel this way. We've seen such a decline in trust in media, and yet we're being forced to basically boost these Canadian companies that we don't support their work. We see the propaganda, and it was so obvious during the COVID-19 pandemic. Here in Alberta, it was very obvious during the recent Alberta election. And so we're being forced to pay these salaries through our taxes. And it feels just very wrong and it feels very discouraging. And I think the only way that we would see a change in it is a change in government. As you've mentioned, the conservatives don't want to continue this policy, but we have a media that seems to be actively campaigning against the conservatives. And it's hard not to draw that parallel when you're saying, well, you know, some of you guys might go under if we had a conservative government. And this is exactly the problem with taking money as a journalist from the government. This is the problem. You're either directly on the payroll, so you're either part of the CBC, which gets $1.2 billion from the government every year, and by the way, throws a little fit when Twitter labels them government-funded media. They are. They are. If they have a problem with being called that, there's a real simple solution. They can stop taking government money. They can stop taking taxpayers' money. And then on top of the CBC now, we have this so-called media bailout. And this is exactly the pickle we're in right now. And it's to his credit, mainstream columnist for the Globe and Mail, Andrew Coyne, said, we're going to wind up seeing the government as grantsmen. This is putting us in an unending conflict of interest. And you brought up the issue of trust. And I recently wrote a piece. I don't know where it's going to eventually get printed. Uh, but I keep tabs on something that's called the trust survey or the trust index. It's been going on for 30 years. It's a major survey of most countries, including Canada. Rachel, it just took my breath away because a couple of years ago, around 40% of polled Canadians thought that journalists were, quote, deliberately trying to mislead them with things they know to be false. So I'm not talking mispronunciation, accidental numbers grew up, typo, none of that. That still keeps journalists up at night, or it should. None of those accidents. I went back and checked that stat, the most recent one that's there, more than 60% of Canadians now think that journalists are actively trying to mislead them with statements they know to be false. Like, that's just shattering. If you think about all the different types of jobs that journalists have, you can cover city hall, you can be covering like brutally difficult court cases where you have to be accurate. Even things like, you know, massive weather warnings of, oh my goodness, like there's a tornado warning. Things like that of your day-to-day, -day, now 60% of Canadians think that they're telling a fib. This is a really major crisis. And from the taxpayer's perspective, two of the major elements that need to change here are no government funding, because that will save us money, but also no government funding, because we need to try to get some of that accountability and trust back. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply.
Yeah, those numbers are absolutely staggering, but honestly not terribly surprising. Canadians aren't just jumping to these conclusions on their own. They actually have reason to believe them. I myself have spoken and written publicly about the censorship I experienced during the COVID-19 pandemic, trying to cover things that were critical of lockdowns and of vaccine mandates. This, of course, was while I was still working within the mainstream media. And in recent months, we've had, you know, the inquiry into the COVID-19 pandemic. We've had a lot of journalists that worked at big legacy media outlets like Global and CBC say there was censorship and we were told to cover these things from a certain way with that way, of course, being pushing the government narrative. So Canadians are educated and they are coming to these conclusions based on the evidence that's all around them. And unfortunately, with legislation like C-18, it's going to make it harder for Canadians to find trusted and reliable news sources. So certainly something we will be keeping a very close eye on. While I have you, Chris, I also wanted to talk to you about the clean energy regulations, the clean fuel regulations rather that came into effect on Canada Day. Happy Canada Day, everyone. We have a new tax for you from the Liberal government, of course. You know, it just seems crazy to me that we're having more of these standards put in place. We know it's going to drive up costs for Canadians. And every single person I know is struggling right now. Young families are really struggling. It's so disheartening. What does this new tax mean for Albertans? It's just disgusting. Uh, I straight up had a guy phone me out of the blue because they see, you know, see us having these conversations, Rachel, and they think that we're government people or can help somehow, right? Because they don't know. Um, he was out of food. He was completely out of food. He and his diabetic wife, and he clearly didn't have a lot of access to information and means and stuff. And so I phoned the Calgary Food Bank and I made sure to get a hamper out to him and stuff. And he was really at his wits end. Um, and that was surprising. To, that was the first one I've gotten like a hot call here in Alberta in a year in British Columbia. I used to get those calls all the time. It was brutal from working people. And I'm circling back to BC for a reason, because BC has had two carbon taxes now for years. They have had the highest first carbon tax in all of North America and they've got the highest second carbon tax in all of North America. The second carbon tax is a form of government fuel regulation that basically uh, fines energy companies for the content of carbon in their product. So what that means is if the company can't reduce its carbon content, it gets a fee or a fine coming from the government. They then take that cost and pass it on down to the consumer, which makes things like gasoline and diesel cost more at the pump. In British Columbia right now, on average, it makes it cost around 15 cents extra per liter of gasoline and around 17 cents extra per liter of diesel, layered on top of the first carbon tax. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau took a look at the situation in BC and said, huh, that's super cool. I'm going to duplicate that across the whole country. Like, I'm not really kidding. He said so that he's using it as a template. And so now, as of July 1st, we now have a clean fuel standard. We now have a second carbon tax coast to coast. It's across Canada. We don't know how much it's going to cost right out of the chutes. So like I explained, there's like international credit trading systems and stuff. We're going to have to wait and see how much cost is actually being passed down to, to the consumer to figure out what it's going to be extra at the pump. But within the next seven years, it's going to be the same amount as it is in BC. And this is coming from the parliamentary budget officer. So an independent officer of parliament has done all the math on this. You can go find his study. It's going to be about 14 cents extra per liter of gas and around 17 cents extra per liter of diesel. And keep in mind, 
diesel is the lifeblood of the economy right now. We don't have dilithium crystals right now. I wish we did, like tomorrow. That'd be great. We don't. Diesel is our motive power. It moves our trucks and it moves our trains, which carry all of our stuff, which then makes everything cost more. Yeah, so the cost of everything are obviously going to increase. And it just seems like with this policy, as well with everything else the Liberal government does, we don't really know what the cost is going to be. We don't really know what the impact is going to be. We do know it's going to drive up costs. We do know it's going to drive business out of Canada. Same with C-18. We don't really know what's going to happen. It's just seems pretty crazy to me that we have a government that's so carefree with passing legislation without being exactly sure of what it's going to do. I don't know how that happens, but it just seems to be the common thing nowadays. We're passing all this legislation. It's very unclear how it'll be achieved. And you know, when we look at this new fuel standard that's going to drive a cost about 14 cents. Back when I was in Ontario, I thought, you know, at some point, maybe I will turn to having an electric vehicle, but that's just not something people at Alberta are interested in. They don't think it's going to be reliable for the winters. It's not something they're considering doing whatsoever. So this is really just driving up costs without a real solution for people, unless they're just going to give up driving altogether, which we know the Liberal government would love. And this is another element. You brought up the issue of electric cars. And like I said, I mean, I think a lot of people would switch if they could trust that there's going to be an affordable, alternative, dependable energy source. But this is a really interesting stat. So let's use even BC as an example, okay, which is super keen on the idea of electrification. If everyone, say Santa, brought them a free electric car, boom, it's in your driveway, just for that personal transportation, and bare bones home heating, like just enough to keep your pipes not frozen. Forget like transport, industry, separate that. Personal use. For personal use only, the stat that I was told by an expert on energy was that BC would need nine new Site C dams. Nine of them. I was shocked because anybody who's familiar with energy in British Columbia knows that Site C has been like a 25 year long planning project. It's a massive hydroelectric dam up in the interior. And the idea that the amount of juice that they would need based on our current technologies would be nine new ones tomorrow if we all switched. So this is the other element and the other part of the equation that the government just isn't answering. Because they're saying, well, just trust us. Here's a rebate. Here's just trust us. Get an electric car. And people are going, well, where's the energy coming from? And how much is it going to cost me? And there's so many unknowns there. And getting back to the fact that, you know, the, the Trudeau government seems bent on punishing, especially Western Canadians. It was the parliamentary budget officer that did the math. Rachel, the two, the two combined carbon taxes within the next seven years are going to cost around $3,900 extra for Alberta families. That's with rebates factored in. Net, it's going to cost us almost four grand per Alberta family. Well, Chris, certainly some dark news stories here. Sorry. I don't imagine people are feeling super, you know, lifted up and enlightened after this. It is very difficult. Unfortunately, we do need to be aware of these things. And we so appreciate the work that you are doing to really crunch the numbers and bring all the facts to light. As we mentioned, there is a lot of unknown, but certainly the work at the Canadian Taxpayers Federation is shining a bit of a light in what seems to be a lot of darkness and uncertainty right now. So we really appreciate that. And we appreciate you coming on the show today. And we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Chris. Thank you.